Hello, everyone. I'm Jenna Filipkowski, and you're listening to a new episode of the Human Capital Institute's Nine to Thrive HR. This podcast features experts and practitioners in the field of human resources and brings their knowledge of the most pressing issues facing human capital management straight to you. I'm joined here by David Simmons. He is the chairman of HCM Metrics, and he's going to speak about the new ISO standard for human capital reporting. Welcome, David. Hi, it's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. We're so pleased to have you here as an expert in this new initiative. Can you first tell us what is the ISO International Standard for Human Capital Reporting? Sure. That's a good question. Um, A number of organizations around the world have been reporting and reviewing and auditing their HR function for many years. But unfortunately, it's very difficult to compare one organization with another. And so some experts from 25 different countries met together over a three-year period based out of um, Geneva, Switzerland, and um, they met together to find out whether there was common ground. And they've come up with 11 core areas, all the things that we know and love in HR. We've been doing for many years in succession planning and staff turnover and diversity and health and safety and leadership and so on. But at last, what they've done is to establish 60 metrics in order to be able to measure the HR function. And now we can compare apples with apples rather than apples and pears. And this provides a threshold, a benchmark, if you will, for an organization to compare different aspects of the organization. If it's a large HR function distributed across different locations and campuses or between people in a different industry sector or indeed different countries for a multinational. So at last we have metrics which are international, robust and objective to be able to report on the HR function, both internally and externally. That's great. Thank you for that summary. And I think it's so important too, because a lot of when you talk about HR, it's people and the measurement of people is sometimes difficult. It's not like financial metrics where it's much more easier to uh, like have an objective measure. So can you share some examples of the metrics and where can we find the full list of, of all of these? Sure. Well, the full list is available. It's in the public domain. Um, and if listeners want to go on to the International Standards Organization, um, they can download that um, it cost, I think, something like 90 euros or something. And the, and the full set and the rationale behind it is available. Let me give you just one or two examples. When it comes to recruitment and um, talent acquisition, for example, many um, people will be aware of HCM platforms and HR information systems. And uh, many of the big vendors do this very, very well, although sometimes it's rather complicated. Things like cost of hire and speed of hire. But what the standard does is not only take those particular metrics, but it adds to it, not just with quantitative standards, but qualitative ones as well. So for example, when it comes to recruitment, speed of hire, very easy to do. Cost of hire, even easier. But the standard says, yes, but what about the quality of hire? Now, my background has been in HR all my life, and I've specialized in learning and development. And my colleagues in recruitment and talent acquisition, they spend a lot of time and effort and resources and money in order to be able to recruit the best candidates. 
My job then was to keep those people within the organisation. That's called quality of hire. And until recently, until this international standard, that was never measured. Another example I could give, for example, would be leadership. Now, we can measure span of control. That's very easy. Many organisations for many years have been evaluating and validating the outcomes of learning and development programmes, executive development programmes, leadership development programmes, in terms of not just did the people attend, but what did they get out of it and did they apply it? That's fine and that's very straightforward. However, what the standard does, it goes further and it talks about something called leadership trust. Now, many of our listeners will be aware of 360 degree feedback, and this is similar to it, but it adds to it. And there is, in fact, um, a well-recognized qualitative measure of leadership trust, which goes by the name of the Leadership Trust Index. So what the standard does, it takes good practice, excellence, and adds to it as a way that HR can develop and eventually get into the C-suite. That's helpful. And then the way of developing and getting to that leadership trust outcome, could that look different for different organizations depending on their size, their budget, their industry? Of course. Um, And it is applicable in different ways, uh, in different organizations, in different contexts and size and, and different nations. What the standard does is say, to the organization, to the CHRO or the CEO, CFO, are you measuring it? What measures have you got? Are you tracking this over time? In what way are you using this data to inform the organization going forward? Now, inevitably, um, there will be differences. The important thing is, are they doing it? Are they tracking it? Are they measuring it? And if so, how? And my particular organization, our role is to be an external auditor, and we would go in and help the HR function to do that. Our colleagues in finance, for example, do this as a matter of course. There's the internal finance function, and they have their bookkeeping, and they have their profit and loss, and their balance sheet. But at year end, those figures are submitted to an external auditor who can look at them objectively against international standards. That's what we do. We help the HR function to collect appropriate metrics, to put together appropriate reports, and then we can assess them against the standard and we do a gap analysis, if you will, in order to help the people come up to the standard. And when they're at that level, we can certify them appropriately. I understand. And you mentioned going and helping organizations do this. Can you speak to the benefits of the standardized approach to human capital reporting and thinking about the organizations who may be very early in their journey of using analytics and reporting for things just beyond headcount to the more advanced organizations and people analytics who may have been doing this for a while? Can you share the benefits of this for them? It's basically, so what and what's in it for me? I see it like this. Uh, For many years, HR, generally speaking, has been involved in transactional role, rather passive, um, reporting. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I see the future going forward as being quite different. My view of HR in this year, let alone uh, in future years, 
is to shift it from a, a transactional model to a transformational role. And what metrics does, it gives HR the vocabulary, the language. For many years, people in HR have been banging on the door of the C-suite and saying, let us in. Unfortunately, they find that in the boardroom, they're talking a different language of graphs and charts and spreadsheets and numbers. Um, and, and they haven't been able to talk in that same way with their colleagues from finance or marketing or logistics or manufacturing. What the standard does is give HR the ammunition, if you will, the instruments, the tools, in order to be able to talk at the board level about the HR, about the human capital. Now, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit here. And what we're finding is that the standard provides HR and the rest of the board the means to make strategic decisions about the organization. It's not just about the people. It's driving the organization. And whether that's in the private sector, the public sector, or even the large NGOs and, and the voluntary sector, it's all about people. And I believe passionately that what this will do is drive the bottom line. Whatever the KPIs are, the KRAs of the organization, they will be met in the future through technology and HR. And what we do is bring those two together. Let me give you an example. I was talking to a chief executive officer not so long ago, and he liked what we were doing and he enjoyed what we were saying. But he said, it's not in the budget. And I said, well, of course it's not in the budget. You haven't planned for this, but it will be next year. He said, but, but, but we can't afford it. I said, well, with all due respect, um, you can afford it because you're wasting money at the moment. And he took offense of that. And I said, I apologize, but you've got money walking out the door. And he said, can you prove that? I said, yes, I can. And I asked him, I said, have you had a middle manager leave your organization in the last three months? He said, well, yes, of course. And I said, and what were they earning? Were they earning about 40K? And he said, yes, how do you know? I said, well, we're in that business. We know these things. And then I said to him, not only did you have knowledge walking out the door when that person left, but you were losing a lot of money. And I said to him, how much would it cost to replace that person? He said, but, 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 and he looked to HR and he said to the head of HR, I said, how much would it cost to replace that person? And she said to him, I've been telling you for years, it's at least 75% of payroll. And so what we're doing is aligning HR with the business practice. We're talking business and not just HR. It's about commercial aspects. And I continued the conversation with him and I said, and what's your labor turnover? What's your retention rate with middle managers? He said, I think it's about 15%. I said, so you're not absolutely sure? We can actually pin that down to two decimal places if you like. I said, anyway, if it's 15%, would you like us to reduce that by one percentage point? He said, can you do that? I said, no, I can't but HR can, and we'll help them to do that for you. So what we're saying is, it's all about the business and it's about the people. What I want to do is to ramp up the quality and excellence and standing of HR and to make the workplace somewhere where people look forward to going every day. 
So using analytics and reporting on more metrics than just headcount does help you make better talent and business decisions. I truly believe that. But it also elevates the the value of HR professionals in the organization. And so and that's what we serve to do at HCI. And we our audience is HR, talent management, talent acquisition, learning and development. How should they personally in their roles be using the standards? If you think if they've got them on their desk, what, what should happen next? Well, my organization is currently in discussions with many major HCM platform providers, both the very large global ones and also many of the boutique small offerings. And, and I'm sure that many of the listeners will be using some form of HCM platform and and an HR information system. My discussions with the vendors is in terms of developing dashboards, live dashboards, which will sit on the desk, um, and so that the um, those in operations in the HR function will be able to see at a glance how the metrics in the standard are being met. To what extent today is diversity being measured? How many people have had accidents? Um, what's happening in, on, on the skills and capability front. And the 11 core areas and the underpinning 60 metrics can be seen at a glance on the desktop. Now, that's fine, but that's not the end. That's a means to an end. Again, if I use an example from our colleagues in finance, they will have the uh, daily, weekly, quarterly reports, not for their own sake, but to be used by people called management accountants. And what they will do is use the data, the information and the knowledge in order to inform business decisions. And I see exactly the same thing with HCM metrics and the ISO standard. At last, HR will be able to measure the return on investment. At last, we will be able to hold our heads up high and say, look, we've been undertaking these projects, we've been recruiting in this way, we propose these plans for our succession planning program, and we can prove it, and we can track it backwards, and we can project forwards. My particular organisation is engaged not just with reporting what's happened, but we engage in prospective and projective analytics. So we can, with about 75% accuracy, say to the CEO what's going to happen this time next year. So we use the data and the information in order to inform business decisions. And how much of a background would someone in HR need to have in statistics or um, psychometrics to be able to use these metrics and these standards? I think behind your question, Jenna, is is something really quite interesting. Um, My experience of people in HR is that generally they're lovely people and they say I'm a people person which is kind of coded language for don't talk to me about numbers and graphs and charts um, and certainly don't get anywhere near statistics. I have a hypothesis that I think a, a number of people in HR never did like the math teacher and so uh, statistics no of course they wouldn't need to do that Um, that's available through their HCM platform um, or HR information system, or we could do that for them. We wouldn't change the data. We'd use the data. We'd squidge it through our machine with some fairly advanced statistical packages 
and then come back. And it wouldn't just be um, numbers and data and spreadsheets and tables. We pride ourselves on using visualizations and storytelling to make the statistics come alive. Because in the end of the day, people don't really remember numbers. They struggle to remember graphs and charts, but stories jump out of the page. And that's what we do. Yeah, I, I truly believe that too. And we have a, a people analytics for HR training course where we help HR professionals. And it's not, you don't end up with a PhD in statistics, obviously, but it's more so, do you know enough to ask the right questions? And then once you look at the data, what story, how can you present it? How can you influence and communicate and also build solutions from what you've learned? Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I want to move to my last question, and there's been some recent changes for the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and their regulations around reporting for, for some organizations. Can you speak about that related to this topic and what are the implications? Yes, thank you. Um, I've been asked that question a number of times in the last six to eight weeks, and I've been able to, to speak to many, many people about it. The Securities and Exchange Commission has changed the regulations in regards to disclosure about human capital. In the past, organizations merely needed to do a headcount. Maybe they, they counted also the number of females. Going forward, this has changed dramatically. And as of now, so quarter four last year and quarter one this year, any organizations that are reporting need to enclose statements concerning human capital. The chairman of the SEC, Jay Clayton, said he wants to see metrics being used consistently from quarter to quarter and from year to year. He also wants to see organizations embracing not just quantitative, but also qualitative metrics. But the biggest thing he expects to see there's two particular elements. Firstly, he talks about it being principles-led. By that, he means what would any good organization expect to be reporting internally on their human capital? And he says it's about good quality. It's about good practice. It's aiming for excellence. So in terms of principles, what would any good organization expect to be reporting on? Fortunately, I'm really delighted he didn't make it a prescriptive approach with, with a, a checkbox exercise when many organizations would do the minimum and the threshold just to get away with it. He said, no, no, no. What we need to do is we need to do what is good and right and proper in a way that would um, lend itself to excellence and quality. But also the second element is what was known as materiality. In order to determine that, he said, what would any normal investor or potential investor, whether it's an individual or an institution, what would they expect to see? How could the organization convince them about their human capital? And it's about transparency. It's about disclosure. And in exactly the same way as a court of law, where there is mutual trust and disclosure and passing information between the appropriate parties, the same can now happen with human capital. Let me give you an example. Let's say an organization's got five VPs who are coming up for retirement in the next five years. 
Well, internally, they would need to know all about that in order to uh, invoke the whole of their succession planning. But externally, investors would definitely need to know that in order to be able to identify any potential weaknesses or problems that may occur. So the SEC has brought in this fantastic new suite of regulations to demand it's mandatory, it's compulsory, so that now organizations must disclose not just all their financials, but many non-financials, including human capital. Now, I'm very aware that people in HR will be struggling at this point. They won't know where to go or what to do. We can offer a ready-made framework through the ISO standard, ISO 30414, and we would be delighted to work with organizations in helping them put together those human capital management disclosure reports. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I want to wrap up today, but thank you for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience with us. I really appreciate it. Jenna, it's been delightful. Um, it's been such a privilege and um, I look forward to going forward together in this exciting new year that we have. Thank you. And all of you, thanks for being with us today. Head over to hci.org for more resources and human capital reporting and people analytics. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed your time with us. For Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in.